is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on this Thursday, November the 10th, in the house with your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody remember go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Another action jam-packed show tonight on the Wise Guys Sports Podcast. Come on in and stay a while, folks. Excited for NFL Week 10. I'm going to get into my NFL Week 10 wise picks in Week 9. I went 9-3 and three in my wise picks. So if I can go 9-3 and three in Week 10, I, 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 I will live with that. I, I, I could definitely live with that. If it's, you know, if it's 12 games on the schedule, if I can win, go, win nine, 9 of them or pick 10 or 11 of them correctly, I'm good with that. I like to always get my wise picks correct because there are people out there who go and bet on games. So you want to get your bets in correctly and want to win some money, come and listen to Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show, and I can get you right. But we got some big-time matchups this week in the NFL in Week 10. We got Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings traveling to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen's status for that game is unclear at this moment, but that is a big-time matchup between two teams who are 
contending for a Super Bowl. Vikings playing some good football in the first nine games of the season. Buffalo Bills are definitely a contender in the AFC. And then the Sunday night matchup, I'm going to get into in a bit, we got the Chargers and the Niners, but also we got Cowboys, Packers at Lambeau Field, Mike McCarthy returning back to his old stomping grounds where he won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. It's the 6-2 and two Dallas Cowboys versus the 3-6 and six Green Bay Packers. I'm going to preview that game as well in a bit. Call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. If you have anything you want to talk about, debate about tonight, you can call into the show. We can talk about it. It's a lot of great football in high school, in college, and in the NFL. Tomorrow night, we got the playoffs in high school here in the state of Ohio. So I'm excited for the, the high school playoff matchups for tomorrow night. I'm, go, I'm going to be in attendance tomorrow night at the Wynwoods and Kings game. So I, I, I'm excited for, for this time of year because we get to see the great high school athletes put their talents on display. And then as we get into November and December, we see the, the collegiate level elevate their game and, and the intensity rises up. And then once we get to January, it is NFL postseason football. So I, I love this time of year. But let's get to our first topic tonight. As we begin in the NFL with the matchup on Sunday night football, it's Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers traveling a little up north to take on Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are favored by seven points. It's an 8-20 kickoff. The over-under for this matchup is 45.5. We got Brandon Staley versus Kyle Shanahan. And I want to start off with the L.A. Chargers. So the L.A. Chargers, they're 5-3 on the season. And so far this season, I don't believe the Chargers have played their best football yet. You look at their schedule this season. Week one, they beat Derek Carr and the Raiders 24-19. But I'm not going to put much emphasis on that win because the Raiders are a mess. Week two, they lost to the Chiefs 27-24, but they battled in that game. But they couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes when it mattered the most. Week three, they got blown off the field against Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that was a disappointing performance. Week four, they beat the Texans 34-24, but the Texans are tanking. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL. Week five, they struggled, but they did beat the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland 30-28. Week six, they beat the Denver Broncos in L.A. That was that Monday night matchup, 19-16. But the Denver Broncos, they've been a mess so far this season. So that, that, that win doesn't qualify as a significant win. And then week seven, they lost to the Seattle Seahawks. We know how great Pete Carroll has the Seattle Seahawks playing right now. They are one of the more surprising teams in the NFL. And they had their bye week in week eight. Week nine, they barely beat the Atlanta Falcons. In Atlanta, they won 20 to 17. So, so far this season, I haven't been impressed with the Chargers. Now, I do know 
how capable the Chargers are of being a AFC contender. This is a team that has Justin Herbert at quarterback. And you look at Justin Herbert for the season. Justin Herbert got 13 touchdowns, five interceptions. He got 2,254 passing yards. He's completing 64% of his passes. But remember, this Chargers team, they've been without Keenan Allen majority of the season. Mike Williams, their other receiver, he's been banged up as well. So his status for this game is currently unknown. So they, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries on this Chargers team, and that's probably the reason why they haven't had a signature win yet. I haven't seen the Chargers have a signature win, but it's more than likely because their receivers in Keenan Allen, in Mike Williams, have been banged up. And Austin Ekelar leads their team in total receptions for the season. So he's been their best receiver. He's their running back. So that tells you everything you need to know about the struggles for the Chargers in the first eight games of the season. They already had their bye week in week eight. So I'm waiting on them to have a, a complete performance and have a signature win. They're going to get their chance against the San Francisco 49ers, a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. But again, I think that Justin Herbert is a quarterback that you can win with in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl with. I love Herbert's arm strength. I love his accuracy at throwing the football down the field. I love his athleticism. But Herbert hasn't gotten into the postseason yet. And that's why I can't include him in that conversation with Joe Burrow, with Lamar Jackson, with Josh Allen, with Patrick Mahomes. Now, Herbert has the talent to be in that conversation, but he hasn't made the playoffs yet. And in order for you to be an elite quarterback, in my eyes, you have to at least have one playoff appearance on your resume. Jalen Hurts got the Eagles to the playoffs last year. So I think the Chargers are a team in the AFC that can still make some noise if they get to the postseason and if they get some players back and they are healthy. But in the first eight games of their season, I haven't been impressed. Now you switch gears to the 49ers. The 49ers, they had a lot of players return back to practice this week. Elijah Mitchell, their running back, returned back to practice. Debo Samuel, he was out in their last game against the Rams. He returned back to practice this week. Also, defensively, they're going to get back Armstead. He came back to practice. So they got a lot of players who have came back and is trying to get in the mix for the stretch run. And I believe the 49ers, top to bottom, have – one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. The only questions that we have about the 49ers is about Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G is the only question that we have when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers. They got an elite coach in Kyle Shanahan. We know Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play callers in the NFL. At receiver, you got Debo Samuel, a top 10 receiver. At tight end, you got George Kittle, a top three tight end in the NFL. Defensively, 
They got a top five defense in the NFL. They got Bosa. They got Armstead at linebacker. They got Fred Warner. So this 49ers team overall is one of the most complete teams in the NFL. And they are battle-tested. They went to the Super Bowl a few years ago against the Kansas City Chiefs. They were in the NFC Championship game last season. So this 49ers team is battle-tested, and they know what it takes to win in the postseason. But in this matchup, when it comes to the 49ers offense versus the Chargers defense, it is strength versus weakness because the 49ers, their rushing attack is one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL, and they do it by committee. Elijah Mitchell, if he comes back to action, this 49ers rushing attack with Christian McCaffrey, with Elijah Mitchell, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. And remember, in the 49ers, Week 8 win over the L.A. Rams, Christian McCaffrey, he threw for a touchdown pass, he ran for a touchdown pass, and he rushed for a touchdown score as well. So this 49ers team is loaded. And well, when you talk about their rushing attack going up against this Chargers defense, the Chargers defense, they allow 5.7 yards per rush. That's ranked last in the NFL. And the 49ers, they average 120 rushing yards per game. It's only ranked 15th in the NFL, but we know how dynamic that rushing attack is with Elijah Moore, with Christian McCaffrey, with Jeff Wilson. So that's going to be a key in this matchup. Can the Chargers defense slow down that elite 49ers? Running game. Defensively for the Chargers, they got Kyle Van Noy. They got Drew Tranquil at linebacker. They got the Mac Daddy himself, Khalil Mack. In their secondary, they got Darwin James. They got Michael Davis. They got Asante Samuel. So this Chargers defense has pieces to be a decent to good defense. Now, they did lose their free agent, Jesse Jackson that they signed earlier in the offseason, they did lose him to a season-ending injury. But the Chargers' defense is more than capable of being a top-10 defense in the NFL. Now, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa's brother, is going to be out in this game. He's on IR still. I was excited to see Joey Bosa versus Nick Bosa. But we're not going to see it because Joey's still dealing with some, with some injuries. But... um. Again, this 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 Chargers defense, they have to stop the run if they want to have any chance at upsetting the San Francisco 49ers. This this line being seven points is disrespectful to the LA Chargers. I believe this is a disrespectful line if you're the LA Chargers. Like you gotta look at this like what? They think they're seven points better than us? So guess what? I'm going to roll with Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers to upset Christian McCaffrey and the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. I'm going Chargers 
24, 49ers, 21. I got Chargers with the upset in Santa Clara. Everybody remember, go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to preview the Cowboys versus the Packers at Lambeau Field. I'll be right back. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys. These guys know sports. Wise guys. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. You can catch Wise Guys on the Worldwide Sports Network Tuesday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Network. And on Thursday, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. I try to be off before the Thursday night matchup. Honestly, I know everyone's probably wondering, like, why didn't he lead with the Thursday night football matchup like he usually does on Thursdays? Because this Thursday night football matchup is irrelevant. It's the Falcons. It's the Panthers. Two teams I could care less about. The Falcons and the Panthers alone are reasons why the Buccaneers are still in the hunt for a playoff spot in the NFC South and in the NFC overall because the Falcons and the Panthers are two bad football teams. It's, it's, it's crazy that someone from the NFC South is going to get into the playoffs. You could make the playoffs in the NFC South with a 6-11 and 11 rec- record or even an 8-9 record. You could have a losing record and make the playoffs. I don't know when the last time that happened. I think it might have been Seattle a few years ago. But, um, yeah, I, 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 didn't, I was not feeling this Thursday night matchup between the Falcons and the Panthers. But let's transition to an NFC matchup at Lambeau Field. It's the Dallas Cowboys, 6-2, and two, favored by five points, traveling to Green Bay. To take on the three and six struggling Packers. It's a 425 kickoff. The over-under for this game is 43.0. Mike McCarthy spent 13 years in Green Bay coaching Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy both spoke about the upcoming matchup this weekend at Lambeau Field. Take a listen. Green Bay. Green Bay wasn't just a place you coached. It's very much Special place for her, for your kids. What about the area? Do you and the family as a unit? Miss no, this is you guys trying to make me cry. <laughs> 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 what is the individual? Why don't you ask me a question? Yeah, 
question about 12 personnel or something. He says, what the, what the, hey, What as an individual, as a family, as a unit, what, what about Green Bay? Do you guys miss most? Would I miss most? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Um, I, mean, I think it's like anything, the people. And um, that's why I think it's been such a great transition for our family because our, our kids, um, you know, were obviously born there, raised there, but to come here in this experience, because I mean, I mean, a lifestyle in Dallas, Texas is incredible. I mean, this has been an incredible incredible opportunity for us as a family but you know uh, jessica was born there kids were born there <laughs> as well we've always kind of been in touch uh, a little bit more i'd say the last year or so um you know i think as time goes by the gratitude for that time as you look back on the journey your career is uh you know goes up a little bit you appreciate the little things a little bit more uh, because really this game and life is about the journey and uh, i'll always be uh, be tied with him uh, because of the connection that we had and the years we spent together. Uh, obviously, my longest tenured coach, longest tenured play caller. Um, thankful for those years and thankful maybe a little bit more as uh, the, the years go by. That was Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers on Mike McCarthy returning back to Green Bay to take on the Green Bay Packers. And I want to say this as a Packers fan about Mike McCarthy coming back to Green Bay. I appreciate the 13 years Mike McCarthy spent as the Green Bay Packers head coach. He helped Aaron Rodgers win his one and only Super Bowl. He helped the Packers win six division titles while he was the head coach. He helped Aaron Rodgers win two NFL MVPs while he was in Green Bay. So I appreciate the job Mike McCarthy did while he was the head coach in Green Bay. He spoke up about the Packers organization and spoke up about coaching for one of the best franchises in the NFL. You knew that Mike McCarthy loved being the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. He really, really did. So I appreciate what Mike McCarthy did. And I believe him and Aaron Rodgers now have a better relationship than what they had when he was in Green Bay. Now, I don't believe all the reports out there about how toxic their relationship was because Mike McCarthy got an opportunity to see Aaron Rodgers grow and not only just grow on the football field, but grow as a man. You got to think Mike McCarthy was there when Aaron Rodgers got drafted by the Green Bay Packers. So. He's he, he was his longest tenured head coach and his longest tenured play caller, like Aaron said. So I believe that they have a better relationship now than, than what they had probably towards the end of Mike McCarthy in Green Bay when, before he before he ultimately left. And then even after he left, Aaron Rodgers, he told fans in the city of Green Bay, if you see Mike McCarthy out you know, speak to him, give him the respect that he deserves. So I, I believe that, you know, when you, when you, when you go through a, a, a divorce, you know, whether it's sports, whether it's a marriage, whatever the case may be, I believe after so much time goes by and the dust settles, I believe it's, it's smart to take the high road, especially when it comes to sports. You look at Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, 
when they faced off against each other last year, both Belichick and Brady were respectful of each other, and they both praised one another for those Patriots dynasties. And you you don't now with with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, who I'm gonna talk about in a bit. Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, they have a different type of relationship. And so again, like I, I like I said, I think Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy both have matured. And again, like when you when you when you when you get a chance to see a quarterback develop into being a Hall of Fame quarterback, like Mike McCarthy got to see with Aaron Rodgers, it's a certain respect that he will always have for A-Rod, but I believe A-Rod will always respect Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy helped Aaron Rodgers win his two NFL MVPs and win his only Super Bowl. Now let's transition to the actual game and the matchup. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys are the superior football team. The Packers are on a five-game losing streak. They just got beat by the Detroit Lions a game in which they didn't even score 10 points. Coming into that matchup, the Detroit Lions, they had given up the most points in the first eight games of the season in NFL history. And the Green Bay Packers, led by Aaron Rodgers, couldn't even score 10 points. That's how pathetic that Packers offense was in that game. Now, here's the crazy part. The Packers' offense had close to 400 passing yards, but it was Aaron Rodgers who lost that game for the Packers in week nine. I blame the receivers in the first eight weeks of the season because I don't believe the Packers have a true number one receiver. Alan Lazard is the Packers' number one receiver. If Alan Lazard was on the Bengals, he would be the fourth receiver on the depth chart struggling to make the team. Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins, all three of those players are better than Alan Lazard. If he was on the Buccaneers, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, they are all better than Julio than, than Alan Lazard. So, like, the Packers offensively, they don't have a true number one receiver. But Aaron Rodgers had two red zone interceptions against the Lions. He also had another interception when the Packers were in Lions territory. And this is Aaron Rodgers who we're talking about. He has a nearly five to one touchdown to interception ratio for his career. So he had three terrible interceptions. And I wanted him to have more accountability for the Packers week eight law or week nine, I'm sorry, week nine loss to the Detroit Lions. And it just didn't happen. This was Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. Quote, I always believe in myself first and I bet on myself first to go out there and to impact the game and to be great. I still know I have that within me. I'm still the reigning, defending, two-time MVP, regardless Who's out there with me? Guys want to come battle. They know where to find me. I'll be in the center of that huddle, expecting greatness, trying to inspire the best I can and lay it out on the line. That was Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. I was expecting Aaron to have more accountability, but that's just not his personality. I've accepted it. 
He's not the type of leader who shows accountability when his team struggles and when he has a terrible individual performance. He loves to brag about the MVPs that he won the last two previous seasons, but he ain't talking about how terrible he was against the Detroit Lions and those two pathetic red zone interceptions that he threw. Now, here's the, 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 the crazy part. Against the Dallas Cowboys, Aaron Rodgers, he's had a lot of success. He's 7-3 and three against the Dallas Cowboys. That's the playoffs and the regular season. He has 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's completed 67% of his passes against the Dallas Cowboys with a quarterback rating of 101.8. He's had some amazing performances against the Dallas Cowboys. So Aaron Rodgers has the Cowboys number. And that's, the, I, that's what I think his arrogance was coming from in his interview with Pat McAfee this week. He knows he has the Dallas Cowboys number, and he's had the upper hand over the Cowboys in previous matchups. But in this matchup, the Cowboys have the better football team. The Cowboys are fresh off a of performance against the Chicago Bears in Week 9 where they had 49 points. And Tony Pollard had a sensational performance against the Chicago Bears last week. Pollard had 14 carries, 131 rushing yards, three touchdowns. He averaged over nine and a half yards per carry. We know who the number one running back in Dallas is now. It is Tony Pollard. I love Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott had a tremendous college career at the Ohio State University. He also had a great first three or four years when he was in the NFL. But he is no longer the same running back now than what he was back then. And Tony Pollard is the number one running back on this Cowboys team. The Packers defense can have some success in this game because the Cowboys offense has not played up to their standard. In total yards per game, the Cowboys are ranked 27th. They, they, they average 332 total yards per game. They average 190 passing yards per game. That's ranked 25th in the NFL. They average 23 points per game. That's tied for 14th in the NFL. And they convert on 38% of their third down conversions. That's ranked 22nd in the NFL. Now, defensively for the Packers, despite the Packers' five-game losing streak and being three and six, the Packers are actually good against the pass, they struggle against the run. They're ranked 26th in the NFL against the run. But they're pretty good against the pass with Jair Alexander at cornerback. Eric Stokes is injured, so he's going to be out in this game. So it's going to be Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander. But the Packers are ranked second against the pass. They only give up 170 passing yards per game. They only give up 320 total yards per game. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. So I believe. The key for the Packers is going to be to slow down 
Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott if he plays and force Dak Prescott to beat you in the passing game. I like CeeDee Lamb, but besides CeeDee Lamb, there hasn't been a true number two receiver in this Cowboys offense. They did get back Michael Gallup. They got Noah Brown. He's questionable in this game. James Washington is still on IR. They got Cavante Turpin. But besides CeeDee Lamb, they don't have no legit threats at receiver who use would put fear in the Packers defense. Michael Gallup is not 100% yet. He has to get back to a rhythm. He's still fresh off that season-ending injury that he suffered last year. So if the Packers defense can slow down that Cowboys running game and force Dak Prescott to beat them, I think that can help the Packers in this game and possibly help them to pull off the upset. Dak, Dak Prescott, since he's came back, he has three touchdowns, two interceptions, 591 passing yards. He's completed 67% of his passes. Last week in their blowout win over the Bears, it was the running game that had the Cowboys firing on all cylinders. It wasn't the passing game last week against the Bears. It was the running game. For the game, they had 242 passing yards. But in today's NFL, that's not, that's not saying much. If you get over 300 passing yards, 350, that's, that, that's a lot of passing yards. But 242 yards in a pass-heavy league is not much. They had 200 rushing yards last week against the Bears. So I believe this game is going to be much closer than what people are anticipating. All week, the line was five. The line is down to four and a half points. For the Cowboys, I believe this is going to be a much closer game than people think. But I am going to roll with the Cowboys to beat the Packers at Lambeau Field. Mike McCarthy is going to win against his former team. I'm going Cowboys 21, Packers 17. I just don't think Aaron Rodgers has the horses to score enough points against this elite Cowboys defense. That Cowboys defense is elite. They got Demarcus Lawrence up front. They got Micah Parsons. We know how dominant Micah Parsons is. They got Trayvon Diggs in their secondary. They got Leighton Vanderesh at linebacker as well. That Cowboys defense is a top five defense in the NFL. And I'm rolling with the Cowboys to beat the Packers at Lambeau 21 to 17. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to get into my NFL Week 10 Wise Picks. So I'll be right back here in a few minutes. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These Guys No Sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore Wage. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Man, that 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 return of the Mac. That's that's one of my favorite old school jams. All right, you can't get no better 
then then the return of the Mac, man. I I, I, I love it, man. That's that's one of my favorite old school songs by Mark Morrison. So when you turn that on, man, you definitely get me get me to dancing. And I, I'm not really a good dancer, but you turn that on, like that'll get me get me to the dance floor. But let's get into my NFL Week Ten wise picks. It's that time of the week, folks. Let's get to these Week Ten wise picks. In Week Nine, I went nine and three. So again, I'm gonna tell everybody out there again: if you want to win some money, you need to come and listen to the Wise Picks every Thursday on the Wise Guy Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. Go and put your plays in because you can listen to me because the Wise Picks on the Wise Guy Sports Show are the weekly gospel. Here we go. Let's start off with a Thursday night matchup in Carolina. It's an NFC South battle. The Falcons are in Carolina. Falcons are favored by three points. It's an 8-15 kickoff. Tonight, the over-under for this game is 42 and a half. Again, this game is irrelevant to me, but I'm going to roll with the Panthers to upset the Falcons tonight in Charlotte. I'm going Panthers 24, Falcons 21. Matchup in Germany. It's the 6-3. Seattle Seahawks against the four and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are favored by three points. It's a 9:30 kickoff. The over/under for this game is 44 and a half. Geno Smith versus Tom Brady. I'm gonna roll with the Seattle Seahawks to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know Tampa beat. The Rams last week, but the Rams are a mess. I'm not, I wasn't really impressed with the Buccaneers win last week because I don't believe in that Rams team right now. I know they're the rain defending Super Bowl champs, but the Rams team is not the same this year compared to last season. So I don't put much significance in that Buccaneers win last week. I think the Buccaneers are a struggling football team. They struggle to run the football with Leonard Fournette. They got one of the worst rushing attacks in the NFL. The Seahawks, Geno Smith is playing some great football. He's an MVP candidate right now. If the season ended today, Geno Smith would be in the Pro Bowl, not Aaron Rodgers, not Tom Brady. I got Seahawks 21, Buccaneers 13. Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos are traveling to Tennessee to take on Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are favored by three points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Tennessee. The over-under for this game is 38 and a half. Broncos won last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are not a playoff contender. You know who is a playoff contender? It's the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry. I believe the Titans are going to take care of business against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. I believe Derrick Henry is going to have a better performance than Russell Wilson. I'm going Titans 23, Broncos 16. The Cleveland Browns, fresh off a of bye week, are traveling down to South Beach to take on Tua Tagovailoa 
and the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are favored by three and a half points. It is a one o'clock kickoff in Miami. The over-under for this game is 48 and a half. For the Miami Dolphins, they have one of the more elite offenses in the NFL. You look at their receivers in Jalen Waddle, in Tyreek Hill. This is probably the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL. They both are on pace to have over 1,500 receiving yards this season. Jalen Waddle has 812 receiving yards. He's on pace to have 1,533 receiving yards for the season. Tyreek Hill, he's probably been the best receiver in the NFL, given the fact that Jamar Chase is out with an injury. Devontae Adams hasn't had the production in Las Vegas that he had in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, not being his quarterback, probably has a lot to do with that. But Tyreek Hill for the season, he got 1,104 receiving yards. He's on pace to have 2,085 receiving yards for the season. This is a dynamic duo at the receiver position. I don't believe the Cleveland Browns are going to have any answers for this high-powered Dolphins offense. It seems like every week I look at the scores and the Dolphins score over 30. They're going to score over 30 again in this matchup. I'm going Dolphins 31, Browns 17. Moving on to the matchup in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are fresh off a of bye week. It's the Saints who are favored by two and a half points in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. It's a one o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this matchup is 40.0. Two very underachieving football teams. It's Andy Dalton versus Kenny Pickett. Dennis Allen versus Mike Tomlin. It's a mismatch in the head coaching department, but the quarterbacks are about even. This game is meaningless. I don't think neither one of these teams are playoff teams, but I'm going to roll with the Steelers in an upset to beat the Saints at Heinz Field. I'm going Steelers 20, Saints 17. NFC North battle in Chicago. It's the Lions at Bears. The Bears are favored by three points. It's a one o'clock kickoff at Soldier Field. The over-under for this game is 48 and a half points. Last week, despite the Bears losing to the Miami Dolphins, I was impressed with Justin Fields. I thought Justin Fields had a great performance against that Dolphins defense. Last week, obviously, for the Detroit Lions as well, they beat the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. But I, I, I was really, really impressed with Justin Fields because there's a lot of people that don't believe in Justin Fields. You look at Justin Fields last week. Justin Fields, he went 17 of 28, passing 123 passing yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. But this is where Justin Fields makes his living as a quarterback. He had 15 carries, 178 rushing yards. He averaged close to 12 yards per carry. One touchdown. He was sensational last week. He had a great performance. It's just the Miami Dolphins are a better football team than the Chicago Bears are. But I believe this is a game where the Bears will outperform the Lions in Chicago. I'm going Justin Fields, 27. Jared Goff, 20. Texans at 
Giants. Giants are favored by four and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 40 and a half. I believe the Giants are a more complete football team than the Texans are. Again, the Texans are basically tanking to improve on their draft pick. They don't know if the quarterback down there, David Mills, is their franchise quarterback. They possibly want to move up in the draft and draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. So this is a game they're going to lose, and the Giants are going to help them on their case for their draft pick. I'm going Giants, 24, Texans, 10. Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Kansas City to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by nine and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Kansas City. The over-under for this game is 50.5. Trevor Lawrence versus Patrick Mahomes. I like Trevor Lawrence. I believe Trevor Lawrence is having a good season as a young quarterback. I believe Doug Peterson is helping Trevor Lawrence in his development as a young quarterback. You look at Trevor Lawrence and what he's done so far this season. He has 11 touchdowns, six interceptions, 2,075 passing yards, quarterback rating 87.5. I like how Trevor Lawrence has performed so far this season. But in this matchup, he is the inferior quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is the leading candidate when it comes to NFL MVP honors. As far as I'm concerned, I'm rolling with the Chiefs to beat the Jaguars in Kansas City. I'll go Chiefs 34, Jaguars 21. So I believe the Jaguars are going to score some points, but it ain't going to be enough. Trevor Lawrence is going to learn a lot in this game facing off against Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs 34, Jaguars 21. Colts at Raiders. The Raiders are favored by six points. It's a 405 kickoff in Vegas. The over-under for this game is 42.5. This is Jeff Saturday's head coaching debut. Both of these two teams are a mess. Neither one of these two teams are going to make the playoffs. Again, I don't know who's going to perform worse. I, I, do I have to pick this game? I really don't care about the Colts or the Raiders. They both have been pathetic in the first 10 weeks of the season. But if I had to pick a winner, I'm going to roll with I'm going to roll with the Colts. I'm going with the Colts because the Raiders, they got Hunter Renfro on IR. Darren Waller is also on IR. The Raiders defense can't stop a nosebleed. I'm rolling with the Colts to upset the Raiders and Jeff Saturday winning in his head coaching debut in Las Vegas. I'm going Colts 17, Raiders 10. Low scoring affair in Las Vegas. NFC West battle. Cardinals at Rams. The Rams are favored by three and a half points. It's a 425 kickoff. The over under for this game is 43.5. Matthew Stafford is currently in the concussion protocol. His status for this game is unknown. Rams are not a playoff team. I'm out on the Rams. I didn't have the Cardinals as a playoff team in the NFC coming into the season either. But I believe the Cardinals 
are going to beat the Rams in L.A. I'm going Cardinals 27, Rams 24. So I think the Cardinals are going to beat the Rams on a game-winning walk-off field goal. Monday night matchup, Commanders at Eagles. Eagles are favored by 11 points. It's an 8-15 kickoff on Monday night football. The over-under for this game is 44.0. I believe that the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I believe they are the best team in the NFL right now. And the momentum that the Philadelphia Eagles have is going to be too much for the commanders. I'm going with the Eagles big in this game. I believe the Eagles are going to blow out the commanders at Lincoln Financial Field. I'm going Eagles 35, commanders 17. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to preview the Vikings Bills matchup. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. You should follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to a big-time matchup in Buffalo this weekend. It is the Minnesota Vikings, who are 7-1, traveling to Buffalo to take on the 6-2 Buffalo Bills. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff in Buffalo. The over-under for this game is 44. Now, some key injuries. Josh Allen's status for this game is unknown. He hasn't practiced this week. He's dealing with the elbow injury. So it's going to be interesting to see if Sean McDermott and the Bills organization, if they decide to hold out Josh Allen. We know the Bills. They got Super Bowl aspirations. You got Josh Allen as your quarterback at receiver. You got Stephon Diggs. You got Gabe Davis at tight end. You got Dawson Knox. Okay, defensively, you got Von Miller. You got Poyer. They go, they, they got back Tredavious White as well. So we know the Buffalo Bills, they have Super Bowl aspirations. So it's going to be interesting to see if they hold out Josh Allen and try to have him rehab to help that injury improve as the season goes along. I mean, you, you look at the Bills. They got, they got a tough matchup against the Vikings this week. But after this matchup against the Vikings, they got the Browns, and then they're at Detroit. So they can beat the Browns and the Lions without Josh Allen. I don't know if they can beat the Vikings without Josh Allen, but I believe they can They can keep pace with the Vikings because I'm not really impressed with the Minnesota Vikings so far this year. I know they're 7-1. Everyone's going to call me a hater because the Packers are having a terrible season, but I'm not impressed with the Minnesota Vikings in their first eight games of the season. They have struggled in some games where they should have blew out these teams I'm about to name. Let's go back to the start of the season for the Vikings. They beat the Packers decisively 
in week one, 23-7. They lost to the Philadelphia Eagles on that Monday night game in Philly. They lost 24-7, a complete beatdown by the Philadelphia Eagles on the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins had like three interceptions that game. Big play slay had like two interceptions. So week three, the Vikings, they're home against the Lions. They beat the Lions 28 to 24. Week four, this is the matchup against the Saints. They beat the Saints 28-25. Week five, they beat the Bears 29-22. And then they beat the Dolphins without Tua Tagovailoa. They beat the Dolphins 24 to 16 at their bye in week seven. Week eight, the Cardinals, they fought the Vikings all the way to the finish line. But the Vikings outlasted the Cardinals 34-26. And then in week nine, last week, the Vikings, they barely beat the Commanders. They beat the Commanders 20-17. to So the Vikings, they haven't had a signature win yet. This is going to be their first game this season where they have an opportunity to have a signature win. Well, they had a, they had a chance in week two against the Eagles, and they underperformed in that game. But you look at Kirk Cousins, he got 13 touchdowns, six interceptions, 1,999 passing yards for the season. But we know that in order for the Vikings to be playoff contenders, they got to lean on Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook for the season, 131 carries, 608 rushing yards. He's averaging over four yards per carry, five touchdowns on the season. That's going to be key for the Minnesota Vikings because that's how you help Kirk Cousins in primetime games. We know in the playoffs, every game is a primetime game. So I think it's going to be key for the Vikings to establish the running game with Dalvin Cook, not only in this game, but for the rest of the season heading into the postseason. You don't want Kirk Cousins to have to drop back and pass 40 times in a game. You want to split that up and have Cousins throw 25 or 28 times in a game and have Dalvin Cook have over 20 carries. So that I think that's going to that's the that's the the key for this Vikings offense. Now we know the Vikings offensively, they got weapons in Justin Jefferson, a top five receiver in the NFL. You got Adam Thielen, who I believe is the best number two receiver in the NFL. You got newly added Hawkinson, the tight end that they traded for at the trading deadline. So they got weapons for Kirk Cousins to distribute the football to. And that's also, too, why I believe that this season, there are no excuses for Kirk Cousins. You like that? I want to hear some you like that in the playoffs because Kirk Cousins, year after year after year, has had excuses for why he's not been able to rise up to the occasion and elevate the Minnesota Vikings into the playoffs and on a deep playoff run. The Packers are not a playoff team. So Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they won't be a factor for the Minnesota Vikings. In the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're undefeated. But the Eagles, they are a team. They're not perfect. They're the best team right now in the NFL record-wise. 
but they're not perfect. So I believe if you look at the landscape of the NFC, this is a perfect opportunity for Kirk Cousins to lead the Vikings into the playoffs and on a deep playoff run. Perfect opportunity. You look at their passing attack, the Vikings have the 10th best passing attack in the NFL. They average 238 passing yards per game. But they only rush for 102 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 24th. Again, that has to improve. That has to improve if you want to be a Super Bowl contender. Now you look at the Bills offense versus the Vikings defense. We know the Bills have a high-powered offense. They are third in passing yards per game. They average 292 passing yards per game. We know that they have weapons for Josh Allen, but they got Case Keenum as their backup quarterback. Case Keenum, dating back to his days in Minnesota, he has a relationship with Stephon Diggs, but I don't think that's going to matter in this game. You're going to need Josh Allen to beat the Minnesota Vikings. If Josh Allen doesn't play in this game, the Minnesota Vikings will win Sunday in Buffalo. If Josh Allen plays and he's healthy, the Buffalo Bills will beat the Minnesota Vikings in Buffalo. Kevin O'Connell versus Sean McDermott, two good head coaches this season. Kevin O'Connell is still unproven, but he's been pretty good in the first eight games of the season as the Minnesota Vikings head coach. I think Kirk Cousins, he trusts Kevin O'Connell, and he didn't trust Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer was a former coach in Minnesota. He didn't have that relationship with Mike Zimmer compared to what he has with Kevin O'Connell. He, doesn't have, he didn't have a great relationship with Mike Zimmer, but he has a nice relationship with O'Connell. So I'm going to assume that Josh Allen doesn't play in this game. I think that it's going to be smart for the Bills to sit Josh Allen out and let that elbow heal, and Josh Allen can be close to 100% as we get into December and January football. I'm going to roll with the Vikings to beat the Bills. In Buffalo, I'm going Vikings 24, Bills 17. Now, as a Packers fan, I'm hoping that the Bills beat the Vikings, but the Packers are so far in the NFC North standings, I don't see a way where they catch up with the Minnesota Vikings. I could be wrong, but I, I just don't see it happening at this moment. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys. No sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to get into my Wise or Lies segment of the day. I'll be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to my Wise or Lies segment of the day. Let's get into these Wise or Lies questions. Let's begin in the NBA. Phoenix Suns forward. Cam Johnson will be sidelined between one to two months after electing to remove part of the meniscus in his right knee, sources told ESPN's Brian Windhorse. The Suns announced Sunday that Johnson required surgery but didn't provide a timeline for a return. He suffered the injury midway through the first quarter of his team's loss to the Portland Trailblazers on Friday. So is it wiser lies to say that the Suns will struggle in the absence of Cam Johnson? I believe that is wise because I love Cam Johnson for this Phoenix Suns basketball team. You look at Cam Johnson in the eight games that he played this year. He averaged 13 points per game on 45% shooting from the floor, four rebounds, two assists per game. He is a tremendous body for this Phoenix Suns team off the bench. You need players on your team to go on a deep playoff run in that rotation. And that's what Cam Johnson gives the Phoenix Suns. I, 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 I like Cam Johnson with Chris Paul, with Devin Booker. Again, he's, he, he's averaged over 13 points per game in the eight games that he's played this year. So I, I think this is a big loss for the Phoenix Suns. But with Chris Paul's leadership and Devin Booker's talent, I believe that the Suns will still be a playoff team in the West, but they're going to struggle without Cam Johnson. Let's transition to the beef between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Russell Wilson is bemused by the latest bar from Pete Carroll after the Seattle Seahawks coach threw more shade at Russell while praising his successor, Geno Smith. Carroll was talking about the Seahawks' surprising success in 2022 when he mentioned that a big difference this season is Smith's willingness to wear a wristband to help facilitate the play calling. This is Pete Carroll. Quote, if you notice, Geno's going off the wristband, and that's a big help, Carroll told Seattle Sports 17 a.m. on Tuesday. It smoothed things out, sped things up, and that's part of it too. We never did that before. There was resistance to that, so we didn't do that before. That was Pete Carroll on Geno Smith wearing the wristband. This is Russell Wilson in response to Pete Carroll. He said, quote, I don't know exactly what he said, but I think you know, and I know I won a lot of games there without a wristband. And I didn't know if winning or losing matter if you wore the wristband or not. So was it wise or last to say that the Seahawks' success this season proves it was more Pete Carroll than Russell Wilson during the Seahawks' prime years. I believe that that is a lie. Russell Wilson had a tremendous career in Seattle. But I want to give some credit to Geno Smith because you look at Geno Smith this year compared to Russ. Geno Smith is first in completion percentage. Russell is 30th. Geno Smith is fourth in total Q QBR. Russell is 28th in total QBR. 
Geno Smith is fourth in touchdown to interception ratio. Russell Wilson is 25th. So Geno Smith is having a better season than Russell Wilson. But make no mistake about it. Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Geno Smith is overall. And without Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks would not have been contenders in the NFC West and contenders in the NFC over the last 10 years. I'm not going to say because the Seahawks are 6-3 and three right now and they are having a great season so far, I'm not going to say that Pete Carroll deserves more credit than Russell Wilson did when he was in Seattle. No, I, I, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to disrespect what Russell Wilson did for the Seattle Seahawks during his tenure in Seattle. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets hiring Jacques Vaughn for their team. I'll be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Remember, you can always call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655, and debate with me about the hottest sports topics around the world. So you, you, you can always call in. I'm never going to run away from a challenge when it comes to sports debating at all. I love my sports. I love my NFL. I love my NBA. But I, I'm going to debate with you. I can, I'll can. i definitely debate. Now, I want to give a live check-in to the Thursday night football matchup. The Panthers lead the Falcons 3-0 to zero NFC South battle between two teams who are not playoff contenders as far as I'm concerned. But I have to at least mention the the score and update everyone on what's going on. Let's give a live update as well for the NBA. The Mavericks are beating the Wizards 
They are in the second quarter. Mavericks up 59 to 55 over the Wizards. The Sixers and the Hawks are playing in Atlanta. The Hawks are beating the Sixers 23 to 20. They're still in the first quarter in that matchup. Heat beating the Hornets 30 to 21. And also the Blazers and the Pelicans are tied at 27 apiece heading into the second quarter of that game. Damian Lillard out tonight for the Blazers. And the Blazers are one of the more surprising teams in the NBA. I love the job that Chauncey Billups is doing leading that Blazers team right now. And this 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 has happened with Damian Lillard dealing with nagging injuries. You got Simons, you got Grant, you got Nurkic on that team. That that Blazers team could be a, a sleeper in the Western Conference. I'm not they're not championship contenders by any stretch of the imagination, but they could be a team in the Western Conference that can sneak up on some other teams like the Memphis Grizzlies, like the LA Clippers, like the Golden State Warriors, and beat them on any given night. So look out for the Blazers. But let's transition to the Brooklyn Nets as the Brooklyn Nets, they recently named Jock Vaughn as their new head coach. Jock Vaughn is currently in his seventh season as an assistant with the Nets. And he is three and two as an intern since Steve Nash was fired. Just to give you a little bit of Jack Vaughn's history as a head coach. He is 58, 158 career record in two seasons with the Magic between 2012 through 15. He was a Nets interim coach in 2019, replacing Kenny Atkinson. He went seven and three during that time frame. And again, he's three and two since they fired Steve Nash. My initial reaction to the Brooklyn Nets naming Jock Vaughn their head coach is this was a move to stabilize the Brooklyn Nets organization. We know the Brooklyn Nets have been under a lot of scrutiny. And I believe this was the safe hire for the Brooklyn Nets. We know Kyrie Irving is going through what he's going through right now with the Brooklyn Nets organization. I got my feelings about that, but he's involved in a toxic relationship with the Brooklyn Nets organization. And since Kyrie has been in Brooklyn, it's been issue after issue with Kyrie Irving, whether it's him playing in certain games, whether it's taking him taking time off. But this situation that he's going through right now, I don't believe he deserves it. I believe Kyrie Irving should have never gotten suspended the five games that he got suspended. And I believe the checklist that the Brooklyn Nets organization put together for Kyrie Irving is absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But there are things that Kyrie has done in the past where he didn't play in certain games for the Brooklyn Nets. And we know best ability is availability. So that's been an issue for Kyrie Irving since he's been in Brooklyn. So they got that issue going on with Kyrie Irving. Before they named Jock Vaughn their head coach, they didn't know who they wanted to be their next head coach. They had an idea that they wanted to bring on Ime Udoka. Now we know Ime Udoka in his first season as head coach in Boston, the Celtics last year, they went 51 and 31. They were second 
in the East last year, and they went to the NBA Finals. We saw Ime Udoka elevate Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's games to the next level, something Brad Stevens couldn't do during his coaching tenure in Boston. So we know Ime Udoka is one of the best coaches in the NBA. So I believe that the Brooklyn Nets hired Jock Vaughn as a, as a stabilizing move because they didn't want to deal with the scrutiny that was going to come with hiring Ime Udoka. I believe Ime Udoka will get another coaching job at some point. I hope somehow he can still be the coach in Boston with Marcus Smart, with Jason Tatum, and with Jalen Brown after this season. But I think given the fact that they had so many issues within the organization already before firing Steve Nash, I think they chose the safe route and hired Jock Vaughn. Jock Vaughn has a great relationship with players on that Brooklyn Nets team. So I like Jock Vaughn. I think I, I, they, they talk about how he's a, he's a good man. He's a, he's, a, he's a good coach on that coaching staff, and now he is the head man on the coaching staff. And he struggled in Orlando, but he didn't have the talent in Orlando that he's compared to what he's going to have in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, you got Kevin Durant. You got Kyrie Irving once he returns back to the floor. We know Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are two of the most dynamic scorers in the NBA. They are two players in clutch moments who can close. So I like the roster that the Brooklyn Nets have in place with Jack Vaughn as head coach. Now, the problem is Ben Simmons' inability to hit perimeter shots and honestly, him not even attempting to score the basketball. There was a game a few weeks ago. The Nets were in Milwaukee playing the Bucks, and Kyrie Irving had drove into the paint. He passed the ball to Ben Simmons, and you could literally hear Kyrie Irving screaming at Ben Simmons, shoot, Ben, shoot. Ben Simmons is a liability offensively for the Brooklyn Nets. And the biggest issue is he can't hit perimeter shots, but he doesn't even attempt to score the basketball. That has to change if the Brooklyn Nets want to be contenders in the Eastern Conference. They got Joe Harris back. He hit a few threes in a matchup the other night against the Knicks. They still got Seth Curry. We know Seth Curry is a tremendous perimeter shooter. You got Royce O'Neal, a player who can help you defensively. So, again, I believe the Nets, they're going to have to figure out a way to get Ben Simmons going offensively. That has to be the number one priority for Jock Vaughn. Try to get Ben Simmons into a flow on the offensive side of the floor. Now, when you look at their defense on the Brooklyn Nets, they have some of the worst defensive statistics in the NBA. Their defensive efficiency is 113.2. That's ranked 22nd in the NBA. Their defensive rebounds per game is 30.6. That's ranked 30th in the NBA. Opposing teams' three-point field goal percentage is 39%. 
That's ranked 29th in the NBA. Opposing teams' second chance points per game is 15.6. That's ranked 24th in the NBA. So the defensive side of the floor is where the Nets have to improve on. You're going up against the Boston Celtics with Jason Tatum, with Jalen Brown. You're going up against the Milwaukee Bucks who are going to get Chris Middleton back. They got Giannis. You got DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine in Chicago. In Miami, you got Jimmy Butler. So if the Brooklyn Nets want to be championship contenders in the Eastern Conference, they have to improve defensively. Offensively, they got Kevin Durant. They got Kyrie Irving. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They got Harris. They got Curry as their shooters. They got Claxton as a player on their front line who can help them rebounding the basketball. But they got to get better defensively. So, again, I, I believe that they should have went for Ime Udoka, but I understand they wanted to stabilize the organization. So they chose Jock Vaughn, the safe hire, over the risky hire in Ime Udoka. They also said that Kevin Durant, he did not have an input on this new hire with Jack Vaughn. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have an, an impact and, and didn't really have a say-so. Kevin Durant just wants to hoop. And that's the thing. KD just wants to play basketball. But the problem with Kevin Durant is he has to understand in Brooklyn, you have to be a leader. This ain't Golden State. If you want to just hoop, Kevin Durant should have remained in Golden State because in Golden State, Steph Curry is the leader on those Golden State Warriors teams. Draymond Green is also the heart and soul of those Warriors teams. Kevin Durant could have stayed in Golden State and just hooped. But when you're the best player in Brooklyn and you don't have another player that's on your level, you got to be a leader, especially considering Kyrie Irving is your co-star. And Kyrie Irving is not a leader. In Cleveland, the reason why I worked in Cleveland was because LeBron James was the leader during those Cleveland Cavaliers championship runs. So, again, Kevin Durant has to understand you can't just be a basketball player. You have to be a leader in that locker room. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. It's been an action jam-packed show. Tonight we have the Falcons and Panthers in Carolina. NFC South battle. Again, I could care less about this game. But I, I, I do have the Panthers beating the Falcons tonight. And then Sunday we got some tremendous matchups in the NFL. We got... The Sunday night football matchup, Chargers versus the 49ers, Brandon Staley versus Kyle Shanahan. Great matchup between two playoff teams in the NFC, in the AFC, respectively. And then 425 kickoff, Lambeau Field. The 6-2 and two Dallas Cowboys, fresh off a bye week, going up against a struggling 3-6 and six Green Bay Packers football team who have lost. Five straight games. But again, Aaron Rodgers has owned the Dallas Cowboys. He's owned the Cowboys. I think he has like 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's completed 67% of his passes against the Dallas Cowboys. 
regular season and postseason. He's seven and three against the Cowboys. I picked the Cowboys to beat the Packers because they are the more superior football team. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Packers keep that game close and Aaron Rodgers makes one or two plays in the fourth quarter and the Packers upset the Cowboys. I'll be back Tuesday on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Have a great weekend. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys. These guys know sports. Wise guys. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. These guys know sports. These guys know. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.